Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee with Cannon. Uh, freezing cold day out there on the 10th of January, 2022, and it's only going to get colder. A lot of news, a lot of things happening right now. Uh, there was a huge fire in the Bronx yesterday, a tragic fire where at least 19 people have been reported uh, killed by this fire, uh, nine of them children. A real tragedy. And uh, with me today, uh, when we get to talking about this fire and the technicality of what occurred, is um, Bill Ryan, a retired NYPD first grade detective. He's the CEO of Ryan Investigative Group, and he's uh, an expert in arson and explosion and, and as a result, fire also. So he's going to weigh in on this. But at first, I just want to show a couple of, uh, we'll get a picture of the, see a lot of you folks coming into the chat from all over the world, and you can see I'm not going outside anymore. So if you think I'm sitting out in my yard, in my garden, as you call it, <laughs> those days, I think for this winter, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be back in Texas. Yeah, Waco, Texas, you're in here. It's nice and warm in Waco. It's freezing. In so I'm going to play a little bit of uh, to take a look at this horrendous um, uh, apartment fire. And um, hang on, let me just uh, pause this get it on for us space heater malfunction sparking the flames in a third floor duplex apartment about 200 firefighters responding to the scene the mayor says some of them pushed through the smoke even though their oxygen tanks were empty he's calling this one of the worst fires in modern new york city history and he says the city will help the largely muslim community recover abc's janae norman leads us off from the scene Tonight, 19 people, including nine children, are dead, and more than a dozen people are fighting for their lives after a five-alarm fire broke out in this apartment complex in the Bronx in New York City. Fire is on the third floor of a one-nine-story occupied MD. Officials say the fire broke out just before 11 a.m. Sunday morning on the third floor. The smoke spreading quickly throughout all 19 stories of the building. How was the fire up there, too? Look up. Oh my God. Many residents trapped inside their apartments, blinded by smoke. I panicked. I was scared. I was really scared. I was scared. I mean, that smoke really hit me. By the time I got to the exit and I had the mask on, I couldn't even see. More than 200 firefighters on the scene within minutes, smashing out windows and evacuating residents on stretchers. We were sleeping and then my kids screamed, say, fire, fire. Mamadou Wagwe says his daughter woke him up, saying a mattress in their apartment was on fire. Oh, it's a lot of smoke. You can't see nothing. Sanchez Guillermo says he and his son waited for help in their 16th floor apartment for an hour and a half. I was thinking they, they're never going to arrive. New York City Mayor Eric Adams saying this is one of the worst fires in recent history. When something like this hits the city, uh, it's going to take us a long time to recover it. Our hearts certainly go out to those families. And let's get right to Janae Norman from the scene in the Bronx. Janae, the mayor says this is one of the deadliest fires in the city in 30 years. What do we know about how this happened? Well, Lizzie's absolutely devastating. Officials are pointing to a door left open that likely contributed to the smoke spreading so quickly throughout the high rise. The fire commissioner says that fire likely started from a malfunctioning electric space heater. Tonight, the governor and mayor offering assistance to those residents. Lindsay. Janae, thank you. 
So, Bill, th there you have it. Uh, first thing we want to offer our condolences to the 19 people um, that died during this uh, tragic event. And, uh, you know, at least nine of them children. And apparently there are still many more that are in critical condition. I think at least 12 or 13 more are critical. So we can maybe expect, unfortunately, more fatalities from this. But one of the things that, I, uh, and the reason I brought you in here, uh, Bill Ryan, an expert on arson and explosion, is that it's not a malfunctioning space heater. It's a space heater that's not supposed to be used. Space heaters are banned from commercial buildings. You want to weigh in on this? Well, you, you know, it's like anything else. I mean, this this is the time of year when, unfortunately, you get a lot of fire fatalities in places uh, because people are cold. And, you know, the building, you know, you can tell a tenant anything you want. Don't turn on the gas stove. Don't turn on the space heater. But if you're cold and you're sitting there and your parents and your children are cold, you're going to do what you got to do. I mean, you know, you can tell them it's illegal, but, you know, you know, I, I think it's 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 something that, that they're going to look at. But, I mean, you know, it's it's also a thing where you know where they're getting these space heaters from, how they maintained. You know, you I, I don't know what space heater. You know, we don't have that information yet. Uh, you know, was the wire frayed? Was it some cheap you know knockoff? But it seemed to me, from what I'm hearing about the mattress burning, is they probably kept the space heater too close to the mattress, and the radiant heat from the uh, space heater uh, probably set the bedding and then the, the mattress itself on fire. So, you know, it's, uh, I don't know if it was malfunctioning or, or was it just. Bill, I just, I just want you to weigh in on this. A lot of, some of the folks in the chat are saying uh, no fire escapes. And I believe that the New York city code is that once a building is over a certain amount of stories, they will no, no longer have fire escapes. What they will have is uh, stairwells, fire resistant stairwells, of course, smoke detectors and a smoke detector in this incident they, look, the fire was contained to one apartment. And as you know, and mo what most people don't know, is most people in a fire don't die from the fire. They die from the smoke. And that is 100% true in this incident. Absolutely. You want to weigh in on that. Absolutely. It's actually uh, the way most people die in fires. You rarely, uh, you know, you, you may burn, your body may burn later on in the fire if you're left there, but you're probably going to die from the smoke and the toxic uh, chemicals that are given off in the flame. It's actually fairly rare that you you die from the fire itself. Um, as far as, as, as uh, you know, this was a, actually, a, from what I understand, a, a fairly uh, fire secure building. And I think they had the, the appropriate doors and, and other safety features. But uh, the problem is, you know, your safety features only work if you use them properly. And from what I understand from listening to uh, Commissioner Nigro, uh, the apartment where the fire was in was, was the door was somehow left open. And if that door had been closed, you probably would have contained all the fire and everything into that room and it wouldn't have spread. But the minute that door was open, you know, fire looks for oxygen and it'll just keep going out in the hallway till it finds more oxygen and the smoke's going to spread with it. And uh, unfortunately, you know, you, you can have all the safety features you want, but if you, you disable them like that, they're not much help to you. I also heard different news accounts where they're saying that the uh, fire alarms in the building, there was such a problem. They kept going off all the time that people were ignoring them. It became like uh, how we treat car alarms sometimes. They ring and then uh, you know, how we ignore them. Uh, so an account where one of the people in the building said, you know, the fire alarms go off so frequently that I just turn up my TV and ignore it, you know, because it keeps going on and it's a false alarm. And uh, 
I, I can't say that necessarily contributed to any individual death or injury, but I, I certainly would think that uh, ignoring a, a safety thing like that would. So, um, well, I, I think that that's a big factor because uh, this happens to be a, um, a Section 8 building, um, mostly inhabited by African uh, immigrants, I believe. It is. A lot of Hispanic people in this building. Uh, so Section 8 means the, the government basically was uh, uh, paying the rent for most of these people or a good portion. I'm not going to say most or what percentage, but a good portion. So sometimes when you get buildings like that, you do have problems with people uh, coming into the building that don't belong there, breaking door locks, uh, people messing around with fire extinguishers, messing around with fire alarms, messing around with smoke detectors. So uh, the story was that many residents uh, ignored the smoke alarms because of that. Like you said, it was a normal occurrence for these fire, um, uh, these smoke detectors to go off. So it's like, you know, the boy who cried wolf. That's exactly Absolutely. what it was like. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's just a shame. And, uh, you know, I, again, the investigation is still in its infancy. You're going to come up with because even though they decide like this is how the fire started, you're still going to have an investigation into things like the fire alarm system. What was done? You know, there's going to be a an after incident response where everybody's going to look and see what, what do we do? What do we not do? What's the building's liability? You know, it, it's uh, it, it's it's far from over. This is going to be a long investigation. I'd also like to know, and maybe you know, what is the um, the code for buildings to uh, in order for them to have, say, um, sprinkler a sprinkler system. I, I you know I I, I don't know what the uh, regulations are for public housing to have sprinkling systems in it, but um, I don't I, think this was specifically public housing. I think this was a Section Eight building. Section Eight building. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little bit different than public housing. You know, it's like anything else. These buildings, you know. No one's going to stop you from putting it in, but I mean, it's expensive. It's, it's, uh, you know, are they going to do it? And they probably say, well, we don't need it because we've got the fire doors. We've got the fire retardant. Material. You know, apparently the owner of this building is on, um, is on, uh, uh, Mayor Adams's team. He's on his, uh, no, I'm not serious. Yeah. I'm not saying that for any other reason, but it's true. Let me hear, let's hear a little bit more from, uh, Mayor Adams right now, see what he has to say. I also the fire commissioner uh, Nigro and the entire team that's here. Uh, this is a horrific, horrific, painful moment for the city of New York. And the impact of this fire is going to really bring a level of just pain and despair in our city. The numbers are horrific. We have over 32 people who are life-threatening at this time. We have nine serious injuries, 22 injuries that are not life-threatening, with over 63 people in total. We have one member of service also was removed to the hospital. This is a painful moment for us. And the men and women that live here, not only in the Bronx, but throughout this city. Uh, this is going to be one of the worst fires that we have witnessed during modern times here in the city of New York. And I want to thank the FDNY. I want to thank the police personnel and EMS who have responded 
to this fire. The number of people, as I spoke to people across the street that watched bodies being pulled out, it's, it is really pain. And you're going to hear that pain. You're hearing the pain from people who are here. But we're going to do everything we can to bring services on the ground here to give people the assistance that they need as we all recover from the trauma of what we are witnessing here in the building. As you can see, uh, you can hear the people in the background, a lot of pain, a lot of people um, losing their place. I mean, that's the least of it, people losing family members. There was one uh, gentleman I read about in, uh, in the New York Times who lost two of his children. Um, just, I mean, just a horrific. It's, it's, you'll, you'll never get over that. I mean, this is, you know, we talk about PS, PTSD. I mean, that, that these people are scarred for, for life, losing children like that. I mean, it's just, uh, and all these first responders, I mean, you, you're going out and you, you're carrying out, you know, uh, dead and dying children. I mean, that, you know, that takes a little piece of your soul every time. And, uh, you know, these, these first responders will be carrying this with them for the rest of their lives. Well, right, right there on the screen, we're, we're showing a picture of uh, FDNY climbing a ladder, uh, seemingly up into the third floor apartment where uh, the fire uh, originated from. The smoke um, just uh, went up the stairwells because the door was left open and resulted in this horrific, horrific event that, you know, when we always think of incidents like this, uh, what can we learn from them? What can we do better the next time? And, you know, minus people, uh, you know, people are told, no, don't use space heaters. I don't know. We don't know what type of space heater this was. God forbid it was one of those kerosene ones, which people do use. Uh, they're not supposed to be used inside at all. And also, if you use a space heater, it's this supposed to be used intermittently. Apparently, this one was on for three days in a row. So you can imagine if it was electric, how hot the cord must have gotten. And it's, you know, as as you know, it's a fire hazard in itself. And is the, is it near other flammable things? All of those questions uh, remain to be uh, answered. You know, it's just, and again, yeah, I'm basing this on, on you know, interviews I'm seeing with people like uh, Chief Nigro or Commissioner Nigro. You know, they're saying the mattress went up. I mean... I wasn't there, of course, but I mean, I, I can't imagine a space heater near a mattress. Uh, as I said earlier in the show, you know, it probably went to the bedding and, and uh, you know, or toys or whatever was on the bed. And, and, you know, it doesn't take a lot to have that go off. And I mean, it, you know, it, it doesn't take much to set a fire. It doesn't take much to set these things off. So it may not even been, like I said, a faulty space heater. It just may have been it's too close in proximity to things that'll ignite like bedding, like clothing, you know, I mean, you think about a kid's room, you know, what do you got? You got, and you, if, if these kids are like my kids, they're, they're a bit of a slobs, you know, they leave their stuff all over the place. They've got, you know, the, their toys, their clothes and, you know, space heater just sees that as, as material. Eventually, you know, if you leave it on long enough, you know, you're, you're taking the chance that you're going to get a fire and, uh, you know, you know, I just hate to say it, but, you know, unfortunately this is what happens in the winter time because, People have the, uh, you know, that they have the space heaters in. And I mean, it, it's a problem, even when buildings have decent heat. You know, sometimes, you know, they tell you keep the, the temperature at 72 degrees, but, you know, you're cold enough, your kid's complaining, I'll turn it on. And then they forget about it, you know. People but, you know, Bill, the, these, these heating problems can happen even in affluent buildings. Absolutely. Uh, where the Absolutely. buildings are old, they have the, um, you know, the, or insulation. the steam 
Yeah, the steam heat system. Uh, what am I looking for? Radiators. Radiators. You know, which they're almost impossible to regulate. You know, either it's way too hot or it's way too cold, and there's not a lot of waste. So, in this building, you know, when you talk about, uh, well, look, if this person or persons that use the space heater, if they if they were, I, I mean, look, could someone like that be charged with a criminally negligent homicide in this? Yeah, I think they could. When you you look, uh, they they probably won't be, but. This is negligence. I mean, you're told not to use a space heater, and it results in an incident where 19 people are dead, and potentially more as the day goes on when we hear about uh, other uh, critically injured people, uh, what's going to happen with them. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's it's a good point. You know, um, even if there's not a criminal uh, issue assigned, and I don't think – the Bronx DA or any DA would go for with a criminal case on this. Um, you know, I, I don't remember any in my career where uh, things like this happen, where they end up locking somebody up. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, there's going to be tons of civil suits. I mean, this is going to be in court for years. You know, they'll, they'll sue the, uh, just off the top of my head, they're going to sue the, whoever, whoever made that space heater, whether it was worked perfectly or not, they're going to get sued. Uh, you know, the mattress company is going to get, you know, everybody gets sued. The guy who owns the place is going to get sued. You know, that that's what happens. You know, long after uh, all the tragedy comes in, the sharks come in the water and everybody uh, is going to look to sue people. But a lot of times that, you know, that's unfortunately how a lot of these cases get resolved is that, you know, you, you put in the time and say, okay, what happened with this space heater? Does it have a history of uh, problems. Has it malfunctioned and set fires in the past? And the positive thing that comes out of that is if they figure that out, you know, they'll, they'll maybe pull them off the market, put warning labels on them. So, I mean, there is some good that can come out of that. And that's why you want to do that kind of a follow-up. And, you know, as arson investigators, that that's part of our job, not just to do that, but to try to prevent the next fire that comes along. So if we can say, hey, you know, this, you know, Acme, you know, one, two, three, X, Y, Z, uh, space heater is a problem. Let's get it off the market and let's let everybody know we got to get a product recall on this. So, you know, maybe something like that will come out of it. But again, Folks, this, is, um, this is Coffee with Cannon uh, on this 10th day of January. Not mine. Which we're talking <laughs> We're talking about uh, we are police off the cuff Coffee with Cannon. I got your original. Yeah, yeah, Bill yeah. has the original uh, mug that we came out with about a year ago, which was a one-off. We put it out there and we discontinued it. But yeah. Anyway, folks, if you're not subscribed to Police Off the Cuff, please go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and uh, ring that bell. And we also have a Patreon with three tiers on it. We'd love your support. And we have a YouTube, a YouTube family. You can see all the folks in the chat that have the green font are part of our YouTube family. We have six levels of that. $2.99 a month, you're the bucket. $6.99 a month, you're uh, coffee with Canon. $9.99 a month, you can polish my rack. $24.99 $24.99 a month, you're dipped in butter. And the premier $49.99 a month, you're heated, dipped in butter. We have actually one yeah. person that supports us at that level. And I thank you so much for doing that. We really, uh, oh, my God, this is, a, yeah, Callie K. This is so sad. My dad's a fireman in New York. It takes a toll on these heroes. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, so through every fire, the last major fire, and I know, Bill Ryan, you were on the job at the time in the Bronx, was that Happy Land uh, fire where a jilted lover uh, had his girlfriend go inside this club and he threw a Molotov cocktail 
uh, or something, a semblance of that into the club. And I believe 89 or 90 people died in that fire. 87. 87. Horrendous, horrendous event. And we all remember that. Um, And I mean, even there was some criticism in that event that the club had locked the doors with locks and chains and people couldn't get out of the exit doors. So again, people died of smoke elation, not of the fire of the smoke inhalation. You have this kind of problem in clubs all the time. I mean, one of the positive things that came out of Happy Land was they created the Social Club Task Force, which was the NYPD, FDNY, building inspectors. And, you know, for I think it was two years, but, uh, you know, we went around at night and inspected clubs and checked exits and and fire alarms. And, um, you know, it was a positive thing, I think, that woke up the club industry. But you get that happen all the time, like you had in Rhode Island with the the rock band Great White when they had the place go on fire, when they had the pyrotechnics on the stage. Oh, yeah, that that incident is crazy. Like just the fact that a club would allow a rock and roll band to do that, to do pyrotechnics inside a club. I think that's crazy. Well, I, I don't disagree with you, but I mean, you know, it's also you you chain the doors. You know, you're, you're so worried about people breaking in and getting a free show that, uh, you know, you put everybody who's going inside it at, at harm's way. And I mean, that was just uh, a horrible fire and uh, a lot of fatalities in that. I mean, and, you know, Happy Land was, the, I think, uh, before 9-11, I think it was the biggest mass murder in the city history. Uh, that was March 25th of 1990. Uh, also look at that you have the you have the date imprinted uh in your uh, in your brain because you you uh, worked that I, I was a new sergeant back then uh and i was in the two six precinct was my six month command and i remember that we had to go out on the midnights and check all the clubs all the illegal all the yeah. illegal social Legal clubs. and you know in new york city at the time it was impossible to shut these social clubs down because there was so many of them you know yeah but you think in years later when they used the nuisance abatement laws, not just to close social clubs, to close regular bars that didn't adhere to the New York State alcohol and tobacco uh, laws, especially uh, liquor license laws. Yeah. And they, they were, would take your license away, three three incidents, yeah, three, yeah. they would take it away like crazy. And that's the kind of enforcement you need. Look. In this incident, it has a lot to do with education of the tenants because I think the building was was within code. Uh, they they had apparently they were in code, and as you said, it's early on in the investigation, and perhaps we'll learn more. But using a space heater in a building, look, if you want to use a space heater in your own home, only you and your family are the ones that are subject to the malfunction of it, if possible. But when you use it in a multiple dwelling building, look what occurred here. Yeah. And again, you know, like I said earlier, Bill, you know, it, it, uh, you know, it's easy to say that. And then, you know, you're sitting there and your kids are cold and, uh, you know, the weather is, you know, you, you know, like I tell my kids, put on a sweater. But, you know, I mean, some people just say, all right, I'll turn on the, the device, but they don't monitor it either. And, uh, you know, you, you get this kind of a problem, like people leaving their stoves on for heat or, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of uh things people do when they're uncomfortable, they're going to do what they have to do. Look, I, I've used the space heater, one of those little Polonis uh, ceramic heaters myself, but I'm also aware of that you just can't leave it on overnight and without monitoring it. I've used it maybe to supplement the heat in a room and you turn it off after a certain amount of time. You just can't not watch it and just keep it on. I want to hear from some of the folks that lived here. We're going to play a little bit of this video here 
and hear from the folks that lived in this building. Make today the most wrenching decision of her life. With her son, Jameek, who has asthma, she was on the ninth floor, and outside her window, she saw the fire climbing the building. At the time, the flame just flinging so high. In the air? In the Near air. your apartment? Uh, out the window, because yeah. I have a front window. Yeah. So the flame was going up. It was going up, and before you know it, you know, it, it spreaded. A lot of people was coming out on stretchers, a lot of babies, a lot of adults. You know, it, it's a real sad situation. A thick black smoke filled the stairway and halls. Some were trying to escape, and she thought about it. All that smoke getting in your lungs is no good. It's the smoke that kills you. It's the smoke. And the way it was black smoke, I mean thick black smoke. So as soon as you open the door, you could see it. I was shaking. Yeah, yeah. And my head was hurting. Did you smell the smoke? Yeah. From the window. Julia and her son stayed and survived. But they saw many from the window who didn't. It was what really frightened me to see that my neighbors, even if I can talk to them or not, just to see them coming out in stretches, these babies coming out in stretches, it's a hard thing to, you know, to see. And it hurts. It was dark, full of smoke. I told her, you're not safe in your house. Come into my house because I live on the upper floor. So we put wet towels and everything. And we went inside my bedroom because it was better for us to breathe. Delaney Rodriguez on the 12th floor made the decision to stay as well. The fire department eventually came and escorted her and her young daughter through the smoke and chaos below. They was trying to rescue more people, trying to give them CPR. And then we got to the point that I almost got lost because it was dark. And um, one of the fire department took my daughter away and I got more panicked because I don't know where's my daughter now. She was reunited with her daughter in just a few minutes, but you can imagine how terrifying this was for the people who did try to get downstairs during the fire and those who were escorted downstairs and what they saw on the ground when they got there. Many of those people feeling tonight so fortunate to be alive. So Terrible. it's pretty, uh, pretty dramatic to hear what these uh, people went through. Uh, and if you've ever been in a fire or been in... Um, uh, a smoke situation it really is scary because you, you you don't know where you're going you can't see and you know firemen will get on the floor as low as they can because we all know hot air rises right to try to get yeah. as low as possible so they can see but a situation like this again uh not to try to just educate everyone that's listening but people die from the smoke not the flames yeah you know and it's not like uh you know, that silly movie backdraft where, you know, the firemen are walking through the place and you can see each other. I mean, you know, uh, you're, you're really dealing with, with very poor visibility. I mean, these guys do an amazing job. You know, they're, they're brave guys. I mean, uh, you know, I take my hats off to them. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough gig to do this, especially in the cold weather. And again, you know, the, uh, I know you talk about this frequently on your shows, but the PTSD, I mean, all these first responders, they're going to be carrying with this with them for a long time, probably the rest of their lives. You know, it's just devastating. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it. You're right. There's there's no way to really uh, to really deal with something like this because you know you're seeing um, you're seeing people uh, killed by the smoke. Nine children. I mean, they, you know as well so as I far. do. I mean, you know, you, you've got what 32 people still with life threatening injuries. I mean, you know, I 
I hate to say it, but, you know, there's a good possibility that death toll is going to rise in this. And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, the, the, the takeaway from this is, you know, if you've got a fire in your apartment, close the door. If you've got a space heater, you know, and I'm not suggesting you use one, but if you're going to use one, monitor it. Don't just plug it in and, you know, it's not the toaster. Don't plug it in and leave it there. Right. Um, and, you know, have fire extinguishers in your house for safety. You know, they're not that expensive. You can go and even a small one might help you out. Um, have a plan. You know, when you're, you have a fire in your house, have, talk to your family, especially your kids about, you know, what's the plan? If there's a fire, where are we going to go? How are we going to get out? Where are we going to meet? So you're not running around panicking, looking for people later on. You know, oh yeah, you should have a, you should have an escape plan, and uh, obviously, I don't, this goes without saying, but never ever use the elevators ever during a fire. Ever. God forbid ever. you get stuck in that elevator, you, you you're finished, you're toast. And a lot of know? the fires too, when and a lot of the buildings, though, the the fires automatically, the elevators end up going to the first floor, so they they probably won't be there. So if you're standing there in the hallway uh, of a high rise waiting for that elevator door to the elevator to uh, open up to come to you, you're you're probably waiting for a ship that's not coming. Yeah. You know, I'm going to play a little bit more of uh, Governor Hockle. Uh, I think I pronounced that correctly. She she was on the scene. Uh, and I'll play a little bit of this. Small to go into that room where scores of family who are in such grief, who are in pain, to see it in a mother's eyes as I held her, who lost her entire family. It's hard to fathom what they're going through. But I went table to table, helped children make their ramen noodles and eat their pizza, and let them know one thing. And the mayor and I are united in this. We will not forget you. We will not abandon you. We are here for you. So your elected leaders from your Senator Schumer on down to our council members are united here to support this community, to say tonight is a night of tragedy and pain and tomorrow, we begin to rebuild. We rebuild their lives and give them hope, especially those who came all the way from Africa, Gambia, in search of a better life right here in this great borough, the borough of the Bronx. They're part of our family. And when I prepare my budget this week, I'm going to establish a victim's compensation fund for the individuals I just sat with and said, I will not forget you. Yes. There'll be money to help them find new housing for burial costs, for whatever they need, we'll take care of them because that's what we do here in the state of New York. Yes. We are here for the Bronx and we're here for anyone who needs us. And I thank the leadership of our mayor, our fire commissioner, Nigro, and all the men and women in uniform who went into a building, not knowing their own fate, and they still went in there and rescued people. And that's why I'm so proud to be the governor of a state like this. Amen. You cannot keep us down ever. We are united together. Thank you. And may God bless the individuals who are suffering and the souls of those we lost, particularly the children. Thank you. Thank you, Governor. And uh, I'm just so happy when I reached out to our state senator and asked him, can he come up and join us today without hesitation? He came up just to be here and show our united front. Uh, thank you, Senator Schumer. Senator Schumer. Thank you, Mayor, Governor, and everyone here. You see the outpouring from of every level of government from all parts of the city. I just came up from Brooklyn. It is such a tragedy. Thinking of children, 
thinking of families, thinking of so many people in this building, immigrants striving to climb that ladder up and their lives snuffed out. It's awful. I want to thank our firefighters. Unbelievable. They always rush to danger. They don't care. They don't, they don't worry about themselves. They just go in there. And they were here from all reports very, very quickly. We appreciate that. At the federal level, we'll do whatever we can. There is housing assistance, there is tax assistance, and maybe most important in this instance, immigration assistance so families can be united because many of these families have come from overseas and need to be here. And I just pledge, and I know I saw my colleague from Congress, our Congress member, Richie Torres, we pledge to do whatever we can at the federal level, but New Yorkers are united in standing by when there's a tragedy, we come together. We don't care about ideology. We don't care about race, creed, color, religion. We come together, we embrace one another, and we say we are for helping New Yorkers who need help. That's who we've been for the history of our city. And on this awful night, that doesn't change. Well, uh, Patty Banks, uh, thank you for the 499 Super Chat. I'm in my 70s. A fireman saved me from a fire in the Bronx when I was two. Wish I could meet him. God bless him. Well, that's a great story, Patty that's Banks. Great. Yeah, I mean, firemen do an amazing job. Uh, they know Absolutely. their job. You know, they know what their job is, and they go and do it. They don't need to be instructed. And you know what the, the amazing thing, uh, which is a little bit different from police department, is that firemen, from what I understand, the bosses go in first. So they're led by a fire lieutenant, a fire captain. They go in with the firemen. Yeah, and you know, they, it's a big thing. You know, fighting fire is, is very much a team sport. You know, I mean, I know you were supervising the police department, but I mean, it's like anything else. You know, police will go out and do cases or fire detectives and, you know, they'll work on the case. They'll have a boss. But uh, when firemen go out and do their thing in the field, they've always got, you know, a lieutenant and a chief and captains. And I mean, it's it's a it's a team sport and, uh, you know, it's a team effort. Rather, I want to call it a sport. but. Uh, yeah, I think that's why they're so close, you know, uh, where I, I think, you know, the police were, were, were a little less close, you know. Um, well, fire, uh, firemen, firemen live together, you know, and uh, that look, I I was an anti-crime sergeant. I worked in street crime like you did, and the bosses best. in street crime was second to none, and they had Absolutely. no problem going in first, any nope. street crime boss. Like our so, friend Pete Pranzo out there, hey, Pete. Hey, that's right, Lieutenant, <laughs> Lieutenant Pete had no pr problem going in first. and. Uh, it's, you know, we have people like, I want to put, you know, I have Fire Commissioner Nigro. I'm going to listen. We're going to listen to a little bit what he had to say. And let me just say that uh, my entire department mourns along with the families here today uh, and our entire city. We're all about saving lives and the loss of one life is sad for us, much less 19 lives. As the mayor said, this fire began uh, in an apartment that spans two floors on the second and third floor of the building. Uh, it started in a malfunctioning electric space heater. Uh, that was the cause of the fire. The fire consumed that apartment that is on two floors and part of the hallway. The door to that apartment, unfortunately, when the residents left, was left open. It did not close by itself. The smoke spread throughout the building, uh, thus the tremendous loss of life and other people fighting for their lives right now uh, in hospitals all over the Bronx. 
So we are investigating uh, where everyone was found, how the smoke traveled, but certainly um, the marshals have determined through physical evidence and through um, uh, firsthand accounts by the residents that this fire started in a bedroom in a portable electric heater. Any questions that I can answer, we'll be happy to do that. Commissioner, there were reports. This is the um, for, I heard someone ask about the heat. The heat was on in the building. This was it was being used to supplement the building heat. Uh, there were smoke alarms throughout the building. The first call that came in was due to uh, some uh, a neighbor hearing a smoke alarm and looking and seeing the smoke and calling. Commissioner, there were reports that this was a, a very frequently malfunctioning smoke alarm system, that the alarm went off frequently, and that's why a lot of residents may not have felt urgency to leave. Are you confirming any of that? We will look into that, but uh, I cannot confirm that now. There are reports also that residents didn't know where to escape, where the fire escapes were. Would you care to comment on that? Well, on buildings like this, there are no fire escapes. There are interior stairways, so the residents um, should know where the stairwells are, and um, I think some of them could not escape because of the volume of smoke. I can't give you the exact number right now. I believe there's 120 apartments in the building. There's a very large number of people right now who need a place to stay. Can you tell us anything about the children, uh, what were their ages? I do not have that. I think that the the, uh, the press gets a little ridiculous when yeah. they start asking the ages of uh, from the fire commissioner. You know, uh, let it be said that you know uh, so far nineteen people have died and nine of them were children. Uh, I you know am I going to pull out a list and read it to you for your your news report? You can find that out through other means. You're not and, and you know they you, you know the the press uh, gives them releases with all this information later on. It's not like they're hiding it. You know I mean. Right. That's the one to ask the, the fire commissioner. I mean, really? Uh, no, well, you know, there's a lot of inappropriate questions at a time like that, but he should be asking the answering the broadest of questions to, you know, like, you know, there's they indicated, I believe, that uh, there's 19 dead so far, that but there was 32 people in critical condition that potentially have a life threatening yeah. injuries. Now, I don't, I, I would imagine the treatment, um, for smoke inhalation is a lot like the treatment for asthma, like oxygen. I would imagine maybe those breathing treatments they get to, to reinvigorate their lungs. I don't know if at some point uh, when too much smoke gets into your lungs that it, it that your lungs won't recover from that. I, you maybe know a little more about that. I, I you know, I, I don't think it got that, but, but, you know, I, again, I don't know who's exposed for how long and, and how close they were to the smoke. Um, but, you know, what they're going to do is they, they draw blood from you to check uh, the hemoglobin to see how much carbon is in, because that's what you breathe. A lot of black stuff is carbon. And, uh, you know, they'll take steps to you know get the carbon out of your system. And then, uh, you know, like, like any kind of respiratory illness, you know, they're going to fill you full of oxygen and, and try to make sure your lungs and your, your trachea and, and then your throat and your nasal passages uh, are, are free from obstruction and that they're not uh, been damaged where that'll, you know, possibly block, uh, you getting any air into your system, but it, it's, it's, you know, 
it, it's a lot easier to treat that than than something like a burn where you know you're gonna have skin grafts and be in the a burn unit for a while. Um, you know, the people with the smoke inhalation will probably be home in a day or two. Uh, yeah. So they'll probably be home that day. But again, it depends on how badly, you know, how much smoke did you eat? You know, I just want to say again, we, we said this at the top of the show. I just want to repeat it. All our um, condolences, to all Absolutely. the people that lost their lives and their families that lost their lives in this incident. Uh, it's a tragic, tragic incident. And if we could shout out to anyone, we shout out to the first responders, the fire department that so bravely without any question whatsoever goes into these horrendous situations that most human beings would run the other way. They go right into it, the thick of smoke, and they have, you know, their oxygen air packs that only last a certain amount of time. So their lives are put in danger. EMS uh, and, of course, That's the right. NYPD and all the police that show to this. Um, every politician and his brother showed up on this scene, and I guess they have a right to do that and to give their speeches. But the real people that we most concerned with are the first responders that Go in, go in there and try to save lives. And they, they do an amazing job uh, 24-7, 365 days a year. And Absolutely. again, when you, you know, fire the fire department, uh, they only have to go to one fire like this and they earn their whole pension for 20 years. Trust me, you know, it's a, it's a dangerous, scary, scary thing. Folks, this it's is um, Coffee with Cannon. And uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, every t every once in a while, all you folks from all over the world, we bring you a uh, local story. And this happens to be a local story from New York City, from the Bronx, but it's reached a national level because of the loss of life and the tragedy here. So I think it's imperative sometimes at Coffee with Cannon, uh, we, we, report, we um, report some of these stories to you. We bring you the real-life drama from New York City. I just want to thank all you folks that um, – that tuned in today. And, and you know, uh, it also has an international flavor since so many of these people are, are from Africa. You know, I mean, I can't imagine this story isn't uh, being reported in parts of Africa. I mean, it's, you know, we're an international city, but this is certainly with uh, so many of these people being immigrants, you, you know, this story is, is bigger than New York City. Yeah, I'll, a huge amount of, um, of these people are African immigrants. And um, they were um, placed in this building. And, uh, you know, so yeah, we look, we we pray for them, we uh, we mourn their loss, uh, and uh, look again. If there's a positive thing, is that to, to watch the first responders and the great uh, job they did here, and hopefully we can help these people get this building back up and running and uh, limit or uh, get rid of future fire tragedies like this that they they absolutely should never ever happen again. Absolutely. Bill, you have any last words? We're at f almost 43 minutes. I usually like to get out of here before 45. Any final uh, words? You know, I just, again, you know, uh, my heart goes out to the people that uh, had to live through this fire and, and how their lives are changed. Certainly all the first responders. You know, I, I live, you know, probably about 25 minutes away from this fire scene. So, I mean, it's uh, it hits me where I live. And uh, thank you, everybody, for your concern. Do what you can. I know there's all kinds of... Uh, outreach to that community financially and otherwise if you can contribute if you can help please do so and uh you know watch your space heaters watch your doors and, and make a plan have a plan thanks absolutely bill i want to thank you for coming on the show today uh, you. your expertise is always appreciated uh this has been uh, coffee with canon with a bit of a somber story but uh 
we have to pay attention not to just the joy in life, but the tragedies. Thank you guys so much for listening and have a great day. Thank you.